Well, a very good Friday afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Friday Live, mid-July, July 17th. I'm Jim. And this is Cheryl. Thanks for tuning in. And we're happy to be here on this. Uh, I guess it's getting humid out now. It is getting humid. This morning was beautiful. I was outside. That breeze was still there. Uh, just a touch of sun, a little bit of cloudiness, but it, it was like yesterday and the day before glorious. All week, really, was until today. It was And just beautiful. heading into... We were saying the other day, because we had an opportunity to get down to the beach area. Finally, finally. That uh, if you rented a house this week this past down the week. Jersey Shore this past mm-hmm. week, you, you you got a gem. Not, that's, always, that's always the chance you take when you do a house rental at the Jersey Shore. You don't know Absolutely. what you're going to get uh-huh. weather-wise. Right. And, uh, but whoever had, whoever had rented this past week, they, they got a good one. Yeah, mm. yeah. Next week might be a little, a little hot. Different, but, you know, you kind of want it to be hot. You, you are down the shore. Yeah. Go swimming yeah, and yeah, such. You yeah. want it to be hot summer, but then that always produces those mid-July thunderstorms. So. Mm. Yeah, like Florida. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Jim's going to be here a little later on. He'll tell us all about what's coming up weather-wise. But this hour, we're going to be joined by, um, and I have to ask him how to pronounce his last name, Bob Schucks, I think is, is how it's spelled, but we'll see if that's correct pronunciation. But he's written a book called Be Devoted. Um, and uh, it's a book on restoring friendship, passion, and communion in your marriage. Uh-huh. There you go. So Bob will be here to tell us all about that. Um, we're going to play Name That Catholic Tune a little later on this hour. The next hour, our friend Father Gary Koch is here to give a reflection on this Sunday's Gospel. And uh, our guest next hour will be Joel Stepanek, uh, a book called uh, Chasing Humility, Eight Ways to Shape a Christian Heart. So that'll be fun, Shape, uh, chasing humility. I might have to think about doing that. <laughs> <laughs> and still plenty of time to read, I think. People are still having a little bit of a quieter lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, Things just kind of still up in the air, but mm-hmm. um, who knows what's going on anymore. I don't know what's going on anymore. <laughs> I had to get my car, my oil changed this morning, and I was sitting in the, everybody had their masks on, and yeah. some people had it below their nose, some people had it down under their chin. One time, one of the one of the sales guys in the car place came by. He had the thing wrapped around his chin. He didn't even have it on his face. So. After a while, it's very stifling and hard to breathe. Yeah, but, I find it uh, tough to do. Anyway, we'll just keep it praying is to the Lord. what it is. Yeah. Starting next week, uh, we're going to begin running on the air a prayer uh, for the United States of America, a prayer for our country. Um, beautiful prayer that was actually prayed at the dedication of the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception back in 1959. But it entrusts and places our entire country into the hands of the Blessed Mother to present to her divine son, just praying for our country. So that's going to start next week. But I'm also going to, and I did get them in. uh, It's a nice postcard. It's a nice postcard and glossy finish on the front there. They did a beautiful job. They did a nice job. I ordered 5,000 of them. So do you want a few? I'm going to give them away. I'm going to give them away. Give them away. So anyway, we'll, we'll talk more about that next week. Uh, let's first start with our prayer uh, that we've been praying. And, of course, this is the prayer uh, to Our Lady to protect us um, from the pandemic and also our prayers to St. Michael and, again, to Our Lady the Subtum Presidium prayer, praying to protect the church from the attacks of the devil. And so we begin in the name of the Father and of the Son. And of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. And I just lost my prayer. That's right. <laughs> to go back to my. Uh, excuse me for one second. I had it in front of me and it disappeared. Uh, okay, there we go. Everything is electronic these days. You hit the wrong button and you you lose it. 
O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick, who at the foot of the cross were united with Jesus' suffering and persevered in your faith. You know our needs, and we know that you will provide that as at Cana in Galilee, joy and celebration may return after this time of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the will of the Father and to do what Jesus tells us, for he took upon himself our suffering and burdened himself with our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. And we pray, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our our protection protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. We fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. And we pray, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you. Pray for us. Venerable Archbishop Sheen. Pray for us. St. Pope John Paul II, pray, pray for us. Our Lady of Mount Carmel. Pray for us. And Our Lady of Good Remedy. Pray, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Um, I was telling the listeners yesterday, uh, there was an article in the New York Post, you know, President Trump has said he wanted to create this park of statues of American heroes, you know, okay. and, and numerous, with the, you know, all different from all, all walks of life and vocation. And, and the New York Post's article was referencing the fact that over the past few weeks now, we've seen a lot of desecration of Catholic statues of mm-hmm. the Blessed Mother of our, of our Lord and tearing down the statue of St. Unipera Serra in California. Right. Um, and this article said that uh, maybe the president should consider, since it is American Heroes, a statue of Fulton Sheen. Yes. In that, included in that uh, bunch. Oh, that would so, be wonderful. Wouldn't that be neat? Mm-hmm. Fulton Sheen. I don't, I don't even know where the, 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 I guess the cause for canonization is just at a standstill right now. But Like many other things. Everything, yeah. But that's a unique situation it, on a, itself. Yeah. But I thought that would be a great idea to have a statue of Fulton Sheen included. Because he really was, I mean, obviously he was an archbishop of the Catholic Church, but he, he was a TV uh, personality. And people watched him mm. of many faiths. Well, more non-Catholic than mm-hmm. Catholic watched him. Right. And he has obviously had a, a great impact on the country. So well, that would be a nice thing to do. I don't know if uh, it's going to get to the ear of the president, but I thought it was a good idea. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, coming up this hour, we're going to be joined by Bob. And I'm going to shook. I think. Please forgive me, Bob. We'll correct that when you get on with us. Uh, be Devoted, uh, a, a book that he has just uh, released on uh, restoring friendship, passion, and communion in your marriage. That'll be fun. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. We'll see where we stand on that. Although we had we had Dr. Fitzgibbons on a while back, and I know we checked out. Passed the quiz, (laughs) yeah. After after thirty five years, what can you say? (laughs) Right. Um, and then of course we mentioned that uh, the the COVID situation is keeping everything. I was talking to Father Tim yesterday. Father Tim, my spiritual director, and uh, he said it's 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 just it's creating a lot of division. Among um, people, you know, because people who wear the masks and are really hardcore, mm-hmm. um, wearing the masks all the time and every place and, and situation. Who, you know, <laughs> other people like us. And, and I got to be honest, I 
I really don't think a lot about this virus unless I'm like going into a store or this where I know I had to wear a mask. And then you see others with masks, but other than that, I don't think about it. No. And I said to I said to Father, I said, "Is there something wrong with me here?" Because I'm not really <laughs> thinking, I'm not really worrying about it. Um, uh, maybe we should. I don't know. I, just yeah. maybe, but maybe not as much as we should. I don't know. Maybe not it's as so much as we are. It's so hard to know because you talk about division. Every news network, you'll hear a different story. Every newspaper or periodical or article you come that comes across your news feed, Facebook, wherever you you know read a little bit, there's just so many schools of thought, and they're all they're not even similar. Mm. They're just extreme. So people do take sides and um, lose friends over it, honestly, because there's also the political side too. But you see, I get the constant reminders because I am out a little bit more than you are, like among people. I have my masses and I'm there five days a week doing several masses. And I'm situated in such a way where I'm looking out on the congregation and all I just see a sea of masks. So it's constantly there for me. And then I wonder, do people look at me and say, why aren't I wearing one? Well, I'm way more than six feet, maybe 16 feet or even more away from everyone. Mm-hmm. And I'm playing and singing and I can't have my glasses fog up while I'm well, the priests at my aren't music. wearing masks. No, but hmm. they do wear it when they distribute Holy Eucharist. Well, they're right up close. Now, right. so there's a good there's a good point because I was talking again with Father Tim, who's in the Diocese of Camden. Mm. And I mentioned that I had gone to your parish mass a couple weeks ago and uh, vigil mass and how it was basically receive and leave you know at the end yeah. of the mass yeah. we talked to father gill a few weeks ago and he said that they have communion at their regular time right in the he's in the, the archdiocese of philadelphia and, and he does on the tongue right um father tim said he also does on the tongue where he is down at his parish but they also receive and leave there so it's oh. and um it just it just seemed like it, there's no there's no continuity there's no no it's inconsistent yeah there's no consistency there and you're talking across the river mm. I mean you could be on the Pennsylvania side and then but then I just thought another thing he he, he said that the masks now, the masks now at your parish and you're in the diocese of Metuchen they're required yes okay you have to have one and is that per the bishop must be yes okay because I asked Father Tim and Bishop Sullivan in Camden suggest they be worn. So people take that as, well, that means I don't have to. Right. So people mm. will come into Mass and some will not be wearing it. And, of course, then that creates a, you know, a, yeah. Yeah. some angst. So, so difficult. And you think about it. Now, what is today, the 17th of July? Mm. Yeah. It was St. Patrick's Day, where I think in New Jersey already prior to St. Patrick's Day, right, and New York City as well because it was Angela's birthday. Mm. She was supposed to, and that was March 12th. You're supposed to have some friends and go to dinner or something, and they couldn't do it because places it. were shutting down. Yeah. So we're looking at four solid months of, of this, of this <laughs> which started out to be two weeks of quarantine. Well, let's take it even two weeks more. Okay, we'll give it a month. Seemed like a long time. It's four months right. already. And now it's four months to Election Day. So yeah. we're right halfway. Less, isn't it? Well, Let's oh, that's right, August, November September, 3rd. No, you're right, mm-hmm. November 3rd, so a little less, mm-hmm. than, a little less than four months. Uh, we'll so see. maybe that'll be the end. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, they say, you never know. I know. Uh, and now, Sesame Place it? is opening up, and I had a conversation with them today. Yes. And they were good about it, though. Yes. Well, you know, you get these season passes, or even if you went for the day, 
you're, they didn't lower their uh, entry fee, just m- much like Disney World or any of these larger parks. Mm-hmm. Um, what's that one there in Jackson? Great Adventure. I mean, all their prices are the same. However, there's... What there, you get for what you pay for. Oh, right. There's what? no shows. There are no parades. Characters no aren't out. Characters, you know, where they sign the little book. You visit the princess. and This is Disney. You visit the princess and she signs your autograph book and there's hugs and pictures. None of that. Uh, none of those dine-in meals, you know, where they want to hug the characters. Mm-hmm. For the younger children, um, no fireworks and wherever they get, show fireworks because that would cause people to gather. And st- yeah. S- but yet they're going to charge the same for the tickets. Mm-hmm. And I thought, that's not really what I signed up for, no. especially if last year you bought a season pass. No. They're opening, what is it, July 24th yeah, or next, something? next week. So you're looking at, you get six weeks for your for your pass. Mm. But they did push it back till next, they extended it mm. through July of next year. Yeah. That was my argument with them was that you're not going to go because I got Cheryl a pass for her birthday so she could go with our grandchildren. Yeah, I like to go see Big Bird and Ernie. <laughs> and of course she hasn't used it this year yet no. and, and they keep charging us and I kept saying, okay, well, wait a minute now, we're not going to use the pass. And they worked with me though. They worked it out. They, there's something called yeah. deferred payment, and and right. I was able to defer it back month by month till the That's end of wonderful. the year. So because you know there are grandparents that maybe watch the grandchildren. I mean, we get to see them on occasion, but there might be some that are their caretaker because the parents are working full time, and so the grandparents have. But they're in the vulnerable age where they're not going to want to go right. and go swimming. Oh, you're talking about a. Yeah. a bed of um, potential problems All there. All kinds of stuff. Yeah. Well, let's take a quick break, and then uh, I'm going to bring Bob on to talk about his book, Be Devoted. So stay where you are, friends. There's more to come.
All righty, welcome back. That well, applause was for you, Bob. <laughs> I guess so. Bob Shooks is the best-selling author of Be Healed and Be Transformed. He's the founder of the John Paul II Healing Center in Tallahassee. After receiving his doctorate in family relations from Florida State University in 1981, he became a teacher and counselor and while in private practice. He also taught graduate and undergraduate courses at Florida State and Tallahassee Community College. Uh, later served in the faculty uh, at the Theology of the Abadi Institute at the uh, Center for Biblical Studies, where he taught courses on healing, sexuality, and marriage. And he is also was also a, gra- a guest instructor for the Augustine Institute, volunteered in parish ministry for more than 30 years. He retired as a marriage and family therapist in December in, uh, 2014, and he has two daughters, eight grandchildren, and sadly his wife Margie passed away in 2017. Uh, and uh, he has written a book uh, called Be Devoted, Restoring Friendship, Passion, and Communion in Your Marriage. Bob Shooks, welcome to the program. Hey, Jim and Cheryl. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Good to be with you. Thanks for being here, Bob. And, and uh, God bless you for all the great work you've done for the church over these years. Uh, Be Devoted, Restoring Friendship, Passion, and Communion for in your, in your Marriage. Um, what brought this book on? What was the impetus behind this for you, Bob? Well, several things. One is, uh, as a marriage and family family therapist for all those years, plus my own experience in marriage, and then we we've been offering marriage conferences, unveiled marriage conferences, for a number of years through John Paul II Healing Center, and this was an opportunity just to put all that together, bring all that together. And I think the final impetus was after my wife died, and reflecting back on our marriage as a way of integrating a lot of what we've taught and and the conferences as well as what what we've lived through as a, as a married couple. You know, I think back, Bob, to my parents. Both my parents have passed away, but they were married 62 years uh, when, my, uh, when my mom died. Uh, my dad passed about two years later. Uh, and Cheryl and I, we're, we're going to be married for 35 years in, uh, in December. Yeah. Um, but we know that you know marriage has been under attack. Society, the culture has has tried to redefine it. Uh, did you have you found different types of situations um, within marriages that have evolved as a result of society and culture through the years that made it more? I, I guess I could never. My parents, I mean, they had they had arguments, they had fights, they disagreed. Mm-hmm. But you knew that they were always going to be together. There was no really no question. My friends growing up, when I was growing up, there were, I think there was nobody that had divorced parents. Right, right. So what's what's going on and what what's happening? What have you noticed in your practice? Well, again, I think it goes back a lot of years when we were probably children uh, and then teenagers and, and the shift we saw in society uh, where the church moved from being the center of our culture uh, to more on the outside, and the sexual revolution, and the questioning of authority, the questioning of church authority, the questioning of marriage. It was like all of that shifted in the late 60s, 70s, which we have then been going through this experiment since then of what it's like to live uh, disconnected from not only the church's authority, but from, from a really living relationship with Jesus as a culture. And I think that's really shifted and it's been an experiment in the sense of, you know, a lot more divorce, a lot more infidelity, a lot more sex before marriage, living together. And it's only in the experience of how much damage that that's caused to people, uh, both in marriage and in children and people around it. I think we're we're waking up more and saying, hey, we've, we've thrown out something that's really vital 
uh, not only to our faith, but also to the stability of our families and to society. We know that um, our dear Holy Father, St. Pope John Paul II, said many times that as the family goes, so goes society, so goes yeah. the culture. Uh, and we're seeing that, I think, happen with the breakdown of, of marriage. But, but but as far as your book goes, who is this written for? Is it for newlyweds or people like us who are married 35 years? or uh, who, who is it directed toward? It's for the whole gamut. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's for couples before marriage all the way through to uh, people who have been married any number of years, and then even uh, people in my situation, like widows and widowers, uh, or, or people that help with marriage formation or priests. Uh, I've had people from all those groups tell me that it's been really helpful for them. Mm-hmm. You know, I could almost see um, when you say it's for newlyweds, that even after several years, it could be 30 years of marriage, but then the children are grown up, they're young adults, they're out on their own, maybe they're married with children of their own, and then the couple is home alone, again, for the first time in 30 years, the empty nest, and it's almost like you need to reconnect the friendship that brought you together in the first place. I mean, for years, all your conversations rotated around the children and who's driving who where and which concert are we, are we attending tonight, you know, and with for the band or whatever it might be. And then all of a sudden, all that busyness is not part of your life anymore. And then you look at each other, well, well we want to do more than just watch TV, you know? Yeah, that's so true. I, I, I think that there's three critical periods in marriage, and that's one of them. I, I think it's the beginning of marriage, leading up to and right after marriage, is a very critical period. Mm-hmm. And then the transition into parenthood mm-hmm. and adjusting to, to the change in the marriage when children come. And then that stage that you're talking about when children leave home and it's just you as a couple again. Right. Now, those are really critical periods. Right. And then I, uh, you could say stage four is the situation that you find yourself in now, and it's adjusting yeah. to life in a completely different way and your generation and Jim and I we include ourselves and I know like my parents and relatives married 40 50 years and Jim your parents 62 that's like a huge they were friends all that time yeah they they might have had differences of opinion but their the friendship was very very strong but I I know because church was a part of it yeah very very important what you know, is, you wonder, I haven't thought much about this, but I wonder how much the development of Hollywood and TV has influenced our view of romantic love. You know, like putting too much into this person making me happy and fulfilling every desire that I have and being the most beautiful person in the world and, mm-hmm. you know, perfect sex. I, I think maybe we've created this expectation for marriage mm-hmm. that isn't what God intended for marriage. It's a Hollywood version. Mm-hmm. I agree. Rather than the reality of what it is. What advice would you have now, uh, and I did not read the book, but let's say I, I were to give this as a gift. I know a young couple getting married, and I think they're an exception to the rule because I see them every Sunday in Mass and the, uh-huh. the most important thing to them is what happens in the church, so much so that they're getting getting married this August, and they didn't postpone it. A lot of the other—I'm a church musician. A lot of the weddings were postponed yeah. because, well, you know, they want the reception and the dance, and they want the 250 people, and they can't have it. This yeah. young yeah. couple, 
they're all about, you know, we just want the sacrament. They're going to postpone. We're not having a reception. We can have a party on our one-year anniversary or whatever it is. We want the mass. We want to be married. And I, my mouth, my chin dropped to the floor because I said you were, I don't know anybody else like you. It, it's so yeah. beautiful to see them dedicated to our Lord and our faith. So let's say I'm going to yeah. give them this book for some advice. You want to stay that way. Yeah, and that's really inspiring to see young couples like that. Mm-hmm. Well, basically, the book is divided into two parts, and the first part is how to build intimacy. So it's for a couple right at the beginning of the relationship. Here are the foundations we need. We need spiritual unity, emotional intimacy. We need to develop a companionship with each other. Uh, we need to learn how to work together, solve problems together, be on the same team, and then how to love each other sexually in a way that's a fulfillment of those other areas. So I think that's for every couple getting married. We need that formation in those five areas. And and we don't have that. If you haven't come from a good family and been taught that, we don't have that uh, in our culture anywhere. Mm-hmm. And then the last part of the book is how do we repair the wounds that happen? And, you know, most, time, most times by the time the couple is getting married, they've already gone through conflicts and had places where they had to work through things. But if we don't have a good pattern for resolving and restoring trust when it's been damaged, Mm -hmm. uh, things can go downhill really quickly. And so you see a lot of couples, even good, faithful couples like this, who haven't had the experience of working through conflicts in that way or understanding their woundedness that could be underlying the conflict. And I think having a roadmap for that and skills for that is really critical for every couple. We're talking with Bob Schuchs, and the book is called Be Devoted, Restoring Friendship, Passion, and Communion in Your Marriage. It's published by Ave Maria Press. That's AveMariaPress.com, their website. And I see, Bob, that you do have activity for couples in the book. So this is a, an opportunity for the couple to really sit down with each other and go through some of these uh, exercises or the, uh, you know, the, the way you have it broken up here to, to go yeah, over this I, together. Yeah, we, I basically tried to take as much of the conference as we could and put it into a book format so that couples are actually experiencing uh, the things that we're teaching. Mm. Uh, And so there's activities. First of all, there's discussion questions that are really deeply and probing, like uh, as an example, uh, looking at these five areas of intimacy in your relationship and where, where do we see ourselves right now and what, how would we like to improve it? Mm. Where do we need to grow? Uh, and then there's some very specific activities, building emotional intimacy or learning how to pray together. That's really a critical skill. Nobody teaches you how to pray together in marriage. Right. Uh, you know you know how to pray individually, but how do you pray together as a couple? Mm-hmm. That's so true, and it's so important. Uh, I know when Cheryl and I, we were preparing for our marriage, and I said this thir- over 30 years ago, we went on an engaged uh, encounter weekend, mm-hmm. uh, which was based on the marriage uh-huh. encounter. Same type of thing where you would have to sit down and go over the questions and together as a couple talk and discuss and write down and And it really builds communication skills. I think that's what it's all about, to be able to communicate clearly. So much. And, uh, the engaged encounters and then following it up, we did marriage encounters later in our marriage, and mm-hmm. those skills really help. Mm-hmm. So what advice, we have about a minute and a half left here, but what advice, and I'm, I'm going to go to your situation, because I remember Father Benedict Rochelle, God rest his soul, one time was giving a teaching and said, 
with marriage, there's one thing that is certain that you can't avoid, barring a, a, a catastrophe or you know a major cataclysmic event. With a couple, one of them is going to die first. Yeah, you you're yeah. you're aware of that, and you know that. And how do you how do you in a marriage pre- prepare for that? Cheryl and I were together the other day, just kind of took a day off and went down to the shore, and just kind of looking back on our own life, you know. And we we now are blessed with th- two grandchildren, one on the way, and our children are very successful. Yeah, and, and you just kind of reflect back, and and we know now we're we're kind of at, at the not the twilight years, but we're <laughs> we're we know we're, we know the direction we're going in. Right. How, how do you how do you for a married couple you know that is is inevitable? How do you or can you even prepare for something like that? Well, it, it's frightening to think about. So it's it's even hard to look at that. You know that clause of until death do us part. We don't want to look at that part of the marriage covenant. Right. But I think it's critical because when you have, just like in life, when you have that perspective, you don't take each other for granted. And I think it's one of the things that you realize after you lose a spouse, how much day-to-day you can take each other for granted. And so I think it's really valuable to have a perspective of, even though we've gotten into routines and we seem like we've been together forever, I could lose you tomorrow. And so I want to relate to you today with that appreciation that I'm not going to have a regret tomorrow if today was the last day that we could love each other. Mm. That sounds kind of trite, but it really is not at all if we live it. You know, if we live it, it becomes really uh, a cherishing of each other, which I think is really the, the heart of a good marriage. Beautiful. And uh, nice. friends, we've been talking with Bob Schutz, and the, the uh, book is called Be Devoted, Restoring Friendship, Passion, and Communion in Your Marriage. It's published by Ave Maria Press. That's AveMariaPress.com. Uh, and, Bob, thank you so much for all you, as I said, all you've done for the church over the years and this book and uh, all the other great works you've done. We appreciate you taking time to be with us today. Yeah, thank you both. Your work in the church and for marriage has been really a blessing to the church. Thank you. Thank oh, you. God thank bless you. you. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful day. God, God bless. bless you. Thanks. And, friends, you stay where you are. We'll be back in just a bit.
God gave us night and day so we could play and pray together. So now let's see what's headed our way as Jim gives us the weather. Alrighty, that means it's time for our domestic church chief meteorologist, Jim Hoffman. Hey, hey Jim. Hey, Chief. Hello. Hey, I'm a chief today. You're a chief. <laughs> How are I don't know. You? I don't know if we can say that. Wait a minute. Can we can Good. we call you chief? Yeah, I don't know. It's politically know. incorrect. Oh, might, that's right. Might have to change I, I, that. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Unless you're the fire chief. Everything going on today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there we go. Yeah. And you're actually coming from your basement office. You wouldn't know. You're trying to... Working in the basement like uh, somebody we know who's running for president. <laughs> <laughs> it's the thing to do oh, now. Boy. I guess. Oh. Yeah, I guess it's the chin. <laughs> Bunker in your know. basement and carry on. I'm going to say this, though, James. What a great week it's been. Thank you very yeah, much. Thank you for that. It's been beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it's been warm, relatively low humidity, but... Mm. That's going to change pretty quick. Yeah, so we hear. So we hear all the warnings now. Yeah, we're hearing yeah. the warnings and uh, not looking for. Well, I said, I said there are people who like what's about to come our way. Right. I'm not one of them, but uh, there are people who do enjoy this type of uh, weather. So what do we yeah, have? Give me last week's weather over and over again. I'll take oh, that. But I, the hot and humid stuff. Eh, I would, not too. Not for me. And every, every day right until today, but every day was, was just, and we were saying, anybody who chose to rent a house down the shore this week, pick the gem of a week. Mm-hmm. Got lucky. It sure did. Yep. It was beautiful. Yeah. But as you say, that's going to change. So what's in that store? That will change. It certainly will, Starting actually starting tomorrow. But for right now, current temperatures around the region, Ewing, 84, Freehold, 86, Hamilton, 84, Hamilton, 84, Cape May, 85, Beach Haven, 85, and Eastside Heights, 85 degrees mm-hmm. along the beach. And uh, tonight, let's look at the weather for tonight. We're going to have a, ch- a chance of showers and thunderstorms, partly cloudy with a low around 70. And then tomorrow, the heat starts to kick in. It's going to be sunny and hot with a high near 95. Mm-hmm. Saturday night, mostly clear, low 71. Sunday, sunny and hot again. It's going to be even warmer, 98 degrees on Sunday for a high. Sunday night, mostly clear, low around 76. And then first day of the work week, Monday, a chance of afternoon showers and thunderstorms. Sunny and hot again, and uh, looks like we could be near 100 degrees, maybe a high of 99 or 100 degrees on Monday. Wow. And then taking a look into the rest of next week, almost every day, a chance of showers and thunderstorms, highs in the 90s each day, except Friday, looks like we might... Uh, Cooled down into the upper 80s. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, it's going to be uh, you know, a, a really hot week ahead. As I said, highs in the 90s. Maybe an afternoon shower, thunderstorm to cool you off. But for the most part, it's, we're in the thick of summer right now. Yes. Not, it's not as much the heat as it is the humidity. <laughs> <laughs> so they say. Absolutely. Right. And you've been to Arizona, so you know what the dry heat is. I know right? dry heat, yes. and I don't mind the dry heat. Right. But it's that yeah, it's that I no, and it's like I remember when I, I one time one one summer many 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 years ago I worked on Amtrak and I would have to take the train back and forth from New York to Florida, and when I get off in uh, Fort Lauderdale or Miami this time of year and it would rain, it's like a steam bath. It's like yes. it didn't even cool anything off. It was just a steam bath mm-hmm. because of all the yeah, air, how yeah. thick the air was. But hey, you're I, but you know you're saying it's correct. This is July. What do we expect? Exactly. Right? Can't can't complain because we know. September and October will come. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we hope. <laughs> <laughs> they will. They will. 
All right. Well, well we appreciate that, Jim. And uh, as always, all you do. Now, is your pool open? Did you open your pool? Pool is open. Yeah, good. So stay cool. Yeah, pool, pool's open. My, my wife uh, sent me the the uh, chemical readings, <laughs> and um, they're all good. So. All right. <laughs> all right. Very We're good. Having a good time. We're uh, going to cool off this week. Oh, well, good. Yes, good. Great, Jim. We appreciate that. So we'll look forward to uh, talking with you again next week then. Okay. Thanks. God, God bless you. Thanks for what you do. Okay. Bye-bye Our best now. to the family. Bye-bye. God gave us night and day so we could play and pray together. So now let's see what's headed our way as Jim gives us the weather. All right. That's what time it is. It is time. Some people may say it's 4.41, but it's time to name that Catholic tune. <laughs> so anyway, we're going to play Name That Catholic Tune, which we've been doing for, I think this is good. People in a little bit of the break since the saint of the day, but you say you're running out of familiar hymns. Right. Well, you know, not everybody's a real expert, and you know, you know, you recognize the melody, but the title, the text isn't coming to you, unless you're you're really in, in tune, pardon the pun, on Sundays to the, the music. And now we're hearing a little bit less music at Mass. They're more apt to use. Uh, but you tested me and I got it. You did. I, I Jim is my test market. Yeah. Uh, if, I'm if the he, guinea pig. If he recognizes it, I'm going to think your average listener. I got it. Could get it. So that's how we're going to do it today. We're gonna, Cheryl's going to give you some uh, information and background on today's Catholic tune. And then she's going to play a little uh, bit of it on the... Uh, Grand? Piano, or, the piano, Okay, the, the nine-foot grand we've wheeled into the studio. <laughs> um, and then uh, when you think you know what it is, give us a call at 609-493-8255. That's the contest line, 609-493-8255, 609-493-8255. And uh, when she plays the little sample, then you can call if you think you know what it is. But here's some clues. You're going to be surprised to learn that this very Catholic hymn was written by a Protestant minister. The theme is Mary and Jesus. So right away you're thinking, what is a Protestant doing writing about Mary, right? Wishing he was Catholic. Yeah, well, that's pretty much the story we have here. It was 1855, the minister of a uh, church, it was called the Pilgrim Church. So who knows what even denomination, right? Mm. But he was in in Brooklyn, New York. He published a collection of nearly 1,400 hymns. This was the composer Henry Ward Beecher was his name, and he dedicated a lot of his energy when not writing hymns. He was attempting to uh, get involved in abolishing slavery. When in New York, Lincoln would stop in to Mr. Beecher's church to visit and to pray. Abe? The, Abe he just himself. happened to stop in. Yeah, like he's at well, the organ and says, "And that guy looked kind of like Abe Lincoln back there in the last pew." I'm sure that's exactly how it happened. Didn't anyway, I see him on a car commercial around the middle of February? Did I see him on a penny. <laughs> okay. So anyway, to get more serious, mm-hmm. uh, the the poetry. So Henry Beecher wrote the music, but the poetry portion of the hymn is from an Anglican priest who actually founded an order 
of Protestant monks, if you can imagine such a thing. They an Anglican them. priest founded an order of Protestant monks. Yes, and of course there's no such thing. I mean, it's almost like these two words shouldn't be in exactly. the same sentence. Exactly, it doesn't jive. They lived on Cherry Street in Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. okay. Right close to uh, 1900s, this was. And needless to say, he was more Catholic than Protestant, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. Two verses of the hymn were originally left out when the hymn appeared in hymnals because they were just so blatantly Catholic. Oh, they spoke. God of, forbid. Yeah. <laughs> they were too daringly Catholic, making reference to the Assumption and uh, the mis- Mysteries of the Holy Rosary. Ooh. Now, you know, we knew a couple of Protestant ministers who would secretly, one of them on Sunday would... Would like, get his congregation and pray the rosary with them. Yeah, they yeah. Had a little underground rosary <clears throat> yeah, going on yeah. at the um, mm-hmm. Anglican Church. That's right. So that's just a little bit of background, background. story. So, so again, unless you're reading the stories of hymns, you're, the, the story, but it's great trivia, it's great knowledge, it's a lot of fun. But the melody should be familiar, but the idea is it talks about Mary and Joseph, and uh, even touches on the Assumption, Annunciation, the Rosary, All right. so Mary's life. Cheryl's going to walk over to the nine-foot Steinway. Bring the With mic over there. The microphone. All right. And she's going to play a little bit. 609-493-8255. If you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, the number's right on your screen. Uh-huh. 609-493-8255. See, I got that right away. 609-493-8255. If you think you know what today's Catholic tune is, give us a call and win a fabulous prize. 609-493-8255. When we play it again, Mm -hmm. give them another hint. All right, we we have a contestant. So we'll go to the phones. Hi, you're on the oh, air. What's hi, your name? Hi. Oh, you got to turn your uh, radio there. Who is this? Yes, I'm walking away from My name is Donna. How are you? Donna? Very well. Yes. How are you? Very good, thank you. And where are you calling from, Donna? From Hazlitt. From Hazlitt. Okay. What's your parish over there? Uh, St. Catherine Labore. Oh, beautiful. Okay, Donna. So You're going to uh, sing to us? <laughs> faith of our fathers. I can't remember the rest of the words. Ah, actually, that is not the title. That Uh-oh. is not the title. Donna, okay, think, think for a moment. Think for a moment. <laughs> you have the melody. Okay. You have you the melody. The only words I can think of. Oh, I'm sorry. Donna. Oh, listen. Uh, we do have another contestant. Oh, wait. wait, go ahead. Go ahead. You, you got it. <laughs> Okay, I can't. The words aren't coming. Well, oh, all right. Thank all right, you darling. so much for Thanks calling. Thanks for playing, though. God bless you. All right. Enjoy your walk. Hi. Oh, oh, oh. There we go. Hi, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, this is Christy. Christy from where? Hi. It's Sing of Mary. Yes. <laughs> Sing of Mary. That is correct. Very good, Christy. And where yes. are you calling from? I'm from Lawrenceville, St. Anne's Parish. Okay. Sing of Mary is correct. Sing And poor Donna, she she had the right melody, couldn't get the words, but Christy, That's right. you are correct. Sing of Mary, you knew, are you in the choir over there at St. Anne's? Yes, I'm in the choir and cantor, and I miss choir terribly. Oh, me and you 
together on that one. Absolutely. And my choir people call me all the time. They say, any news, any news? I mean, they're anxious. This is what we do. This is what we love to do. And church just... We have a Zoom meeting on Wednesday night. Oh, that's good. Do you do you try to do any singing? Uh, we have, but it, it's just that's a hard thing. So it's frustrating at times. But. Right, but at least you're connecting with them. I mean, it's about community too. Mm-hmm. And uh, praying. Yes. Yes. Who needs prayers? That's right. Well, Christy, congratulations. You are today's winner. Sing of Mary is the hymn. I'm going to put you on hold. Cheryl will get some information from you. So don't hang up, okay? Okay. Stay right there. Okay, hold on. And friends, you stay where you are. We're going to come right back. And here is Sing of Mary.
All right, Sing of Mary, that was today's Catholic tune. Congratulations to Christy from Lawrenceville, who is today's winner, guest, Sing of Mary. And uh, we are going to send Christy a fine prize. And thank you to Donna, who Donna, called yeah. in. Donna, yeah. Donna from Hazlitt. She was so close. Yeah. Because the, she was singing the melody, but right. different text was popping into her head. That's and that right. happens a lot, you know, you Sometimes so, Donna, hands. don't let that discourage you from playing you're Name gonna, That Catholic Tune again. You're going to call back next time. That's right. We're going to take a break uh, right now. And if you are watching on Facebook or on our YouTube channel, we're going to cut off the video for about three or four minutes, come back on at 5 o'clock. Friends, you stay where you are. There's another big hour. Next hour, we're going to be joined by Joel Stepanek talking about his book, Chasing Humility. Also, Father Gary Koch is here to give his reflection on Sunday's gospel. More music, more talk. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Mother Angelica speaking about Catholic Radio. There's six billion people, and we got to reach them all. It's people like you, radio stations like your own. And I hope sincerely that people will support you because we need Catholic Radio. We need Catholic television. And if we don't have it, we shall answer to God for that because we are bound by our baptism to spread the good word. We're bound by won't you help us spread the good word by praying for us and by making a tax-deductible gift payable to Domestic Church Media, P.O. Box 7509, Trenton, 08628, or by going to our website, wfjs.org, and making a secure online donation using your Visa or MasterCard. Please contact us today. God love you. We need Catholic Radio. We are bound by our baptism to spread the good word. Welcome to Catholic Answers Live, the program where you participate with your questions about apologetics and evangelization. The question I was wondering about, could you talk a little bit about the authority of the Jewish leaders before Christ? I'm a convert to the church. One of the things that is biggest with this friend of mine is we should not have to confess sins to a priest. Everyone has questions. Catholics have answers. Catholic Answers Live weeknights at 6 right here where you are family. Domestic Church Catholic Radio. Hi, 
I'm Cheryl. And I'm Jim. And we invite you to join us every Friday at 4 p.m. for Friday Live. Two hours of talk, music, interesting, and informative interviews. We'll also have a reflection on Sunday's Gospel, Jim Hoffman's weekend weather forecast, and you'll have a chance to call in and play one of our fun game shows like Saint of the Day or Name That Catholic Tune. It all happens right here Friday at 4 p.m. That's Friday Live, proclaiming the joy of the gospel, communicating hope on these domestic church media stations. to church, you know, at Christmas time, gradually quit going. It's not as scary as I thought it was. <laughs> it's a much more warm and open place, and God really is about love. It's not about the rules and the things that I remember as a young child. It really is about the love that God has for each one of us that's so um, deep and wonderful. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org. 60 Seconds with Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. Man who's free to love is free to hate. He who is free to obey is free to rebel. Virtue in this concrete order is possible only in those spheres in which it is possible to be vicious. A man can be a saint only in a church in which it is possible to be a devil. You say, well, if I were God, I would destroy evil. Well, if you did that, you would destroy human freedom. God will not destroy freedom. If we do not want any dictators on this earth, certainly we do not want any dictators in the kingdom of heaven. And those, therefore, who would blame God for allowing man freedom to go on hindering and thwarting his work are like those who, seeing blots and smudges and errors in the student's notebook, would condemn the teacher for not snatching away the book and doing the copy himself. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. Would you like to find out more about parish events and devotions, prayer group and school activities in your area? Then check out the Catholic Community Bulletin Board on our website. You'll find up-to-date information about events happening throughout our listening area. Go to domesticchurchmedia.org slash Catholic Bulletin Board. If you have an event you'd like us to promote, you can post it there as well. Go to domesticchurchmedia.org slash Catholic Bulletin Board. This is WFJS 1260 AM Trenton, WFJS 89.3 FM Freehold, WGYM 1580 AM Hamilton, and WSMJ 91.9 FM North Wildwood, Cape May. Communicating hope on Domestic Church Catholic Radio. Welcome back. Another hour of Friday Live, my friends, on this uh, lovely July 17th. I'm Jim. And this is Cheryl. And we're going to have, coming up shortly, our gospel reading for this Sunday and our reflection this week. Our good friend Father Gary Koch stops by to give a reflection on the reading. And also later on this hour, 
Uh, Joel Stepanek will join us, and he's written a book called Chasing Humility, Eight Ways to Shape a Christian Heart. How about that? And we need to work on our Christian heart. I know a lot of people are losing patience and are getting frustrated and getting angry, and we have to just work at calming down. Well, Mr. Stepanek will teach us eight ways. How to do it. That's right. So he'll be here with that. Uh, and by, so we did get an email, and I, I, I missed the email, but, you know, we're, we're coming to you live, of course, if you're listening at 5 o'clock on this July 17th on all of our uh, platforms, but those platforms include our YouTube channel, our Facebook page, and our um, homepage where we have streaming video. On our Facebook page, when we play music, I have to mute it on Facebook. So they would be watching on Facebook. The video will still be there when we play music, but the audio is not. But there's no sound. Because if we leave the audio on, then Facebook tells us we're infringing on copyright laws and things. And they, because we're, of the we're, music. But we're not, because we're a radio station. But I'm, yeah. it's every time I do it, it's a hassle. So I just just bear with us on Facebook <laughs> when we play music. You won't hear it. That's all. Okay. So we're 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 on we're on now. Obviously, on because we're talking and not singing. What if I start singing? Well, that's all right, but it's it's the recording, yeah, right? It's I, the, I the actual recording. They'll know for some reason. They'll, they'll say so and so owns this copyright to this recording, and that's amazing. They 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 turn us off, and I have to keep going back, say no, and so it's just a hassle. Somewhere, someone's in their basement monitoring yeah, all these yeah. things. <laughs> Everybody's watching. Remember in 1984 that book when that I never really read that book. Did you ever read 1984? No. 1984. But it's always referenced like, you know, Big Brother Big is Brother. watching. Yeah. And that was 30 years ago. Almost 40 years ago. A little prophetic there. Anyway, so we're going to have our uh, gospel reading for this Sunday's gospel. And then Father Gary will be here to give the reflection. So It's I guess a long gospel. I have the gospel. Okay. The sower and the seed. And I know this one very well because how many of us, now I'm going to date myself too, either saw Godspell, it was on Broadway, it was in your community theaters, it was um, also made into a movie, but I played, you know, being a musician, I I was the pianist in the pit, and uh, this is one of the scenes from Godspell. Oh, oh, the sower and the seed? Right. But we're not going to sing the song. song? No, we are not. We're going to do the real gospel reading and have a real reflection. We're not going to do the Broadway version. Okay. (laughs) A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus proposed another parable to the crowds, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be likened to a man who sowed good seed in his field. While everyone was asleep, the enemy came and sowed weeds all through the wheat and then went off. When the crop grew and bore fruit, the weeds appeared as well. The slaves of the householder came to him and said, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where have the weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. His slaves said to him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? He replied, No, if you pull up the weeds, you might uproot the wheat along with them. Let them grow together until harvest. Then at harvest time I will say to the harvesters, First collect the weeds and tie them in bundles for burning, but gather the wheat into my barn. He proposed another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that a person took and sowed in a field. It's the smallest of all the seeds, yet when full grown, it is the largest of plants. It becomes a large bush, and the birds of the sky come and dwell in its branches. He spoke to them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed with three measures of wheat flour until the whole batch was leavened. 
All these things Jesus spoke to the crowd in parables. He spoke to them only in parables to fulfill what had been said through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will announce what has been lain hidden from the foundation of the world. Then dismissing the crowd, he went into the house. His disciples approached him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He said in reply, He who sows good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, the good seed, the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. Just as weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all who cause others to sin and all evildoers. They will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears ought to hear. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord, Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. Among the great treasures that we have as Catholics is the testimony of the lives of so many saints. Throughout the course of the history of the Church, countless millions of persons have lived faithful and steadfast lives. From that number, only a few thousand have been held up to us as examples of heroic faith and have been canonized as saints. The former are celebrated on All Saints Day, November the 1st, while the canonized have each a day in the calendar when they are commemorated in the liturgy. Many of them are not known to us by name as countless martyrs often were grouped together, as so many of them were martyred at the same time. Most of us have a saint or several saints to whom we have a particular devotion. It might be the saint whose name our parents gave us, the patron we chose at the time of our confirmation, or the saint associated with some aspect of our life or work. There are also those saints whose aid we implore for specific needs, whether it is to recover a lost item or to plea for assistance in facing an illness or a family crisis. No matter the need or cause, there is a patron saint for intercession. The lives of all these saints, indeed of all the saints in glory, not just those who are canonized, are really like the rest of us. They all came into the world in the same way that we did, and they all left the world in the same way that we will. Quite a number of them led simple and ordinary lives, never traveling that far from their homes or achieving much notoriety or acclamation during their lives. They weren't all famous. They weren't all superstars. Even many of those saints who stand as an inspiration to the Universal Church, think of St. Francis of Assisi, St. Vincent de Paul, St. Teresa of Avila, St. Teresa of Calcutta, among so many others, share a humbleness of beginning and a simplicity of life. Jesus tells us in a parable for this 16th Sunday of the year that the mustard seed, the smallest of seeds, becomes a large shrub. He tells us that just as a little pinch of yeast will change a batch of flour, too often we have the attitude in our culture that we have to do things on a large scale. Anything worth doing is worth doing well. We are impressed with those who are able to contribute and accomplish big things. Yet at the same time, it is true that we still have a soft spot for the proverbial little person, 
We like the underdog in the real sense that in a democracy, any one of us can grow up to be president or a multimillionaire. Hard work pays off. In this way, we as a people seem to be schizophrenic. We admire the contradictions and the extremes. In matters of our faith, particularly in terms of our participation in the life of the church, many of us seem to take the attitude that we don't have the right tool set to make a difference. The little bit that we do might be able to contribute to the community, but will make little or no impact on the church or the world as a whole. We are generally pretty good at offering financial assistance to a project or a problem, but we prefer not to get our hands too dirty. None of the aforementioned saints, nor any of the countless others whom you could name, imagine themselves as doing anything other than responding to the immediate needs of their own world. Francis of Assisi gathered a ragtag collection of men around him, but he was not planning to establish the largest family of professed religious men and women in the life of the church. St. Vincent de Paul did not imagine that his name would be associated with the charitable works of virtually every parish in the world when he opened his first soup kitchen. Teresa of Avila could not have imagined from her monastic cell that her writings would be revered still hundreds of years later. Teresa of Calcutta had no way to know that when she discerned God calling her to serve the poor on the streets of India that she would become an international celebrity. All of us are called to be saints, not necessarily heroic, but saints nonetheless. The small deeds and pinches of yeast that we contribute all serve to build up the kingdom of God as much as the great saints who precede us and who will come after us. This is holy ground. We're standing on Lord is present and there. 
friend John Michael Talbot? I believe it was Holy Ground. Holy Ground. Well, I thought that would reflect the sower and the seed. Yeah, Holy Ground. <laughs> it's a scary gospel, though. I know. The angels come down and toss you into the fiery furnace. <laughs> it makes you want to work on those eight points of humility. Which we're going to find out in just a little That's bit. That's right. Uh, I'm anxious Joel to Joel Stepanek is going to talk about chasing humility. Yes. Eight eight ways to shape a Christian heart. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I got, uh, remember back in the wintertime when I had that food poisoning? Or at least I thought it was food poisoning. Yes. I think it was food poisoning. But some right. people said it was there was a 24-hour thing going around. That's possible, It was horrible. Too. Just horrible. <laughs> but I you thought, never get sick. I know. I don't. You know, thanks be to God. But I went to, I won't say where, locally I went someplace to the salad bar. <laughs> A salad, bar. and it was this. It was the seafood salad bar, and I mm. had the seafood, and it didn't taste bad. But the next that night, I started getting fever, and couldn't have been the COVID because I didn't cough, and it didn't last that right. long. Right? No, it's twenty-four. And it was a stomach, more of a stomach, but I did get a, a, a chills and a fever. Yes, preceded that. And you know, there's mayonnaise in that, but if that turns, you would taste. I, I, feel I would. Like it I would, would have think a it would taste a sour taste. taste. Yeah. Anyway, so I I found. I was I was a little concerned that I had gotten this food poisoning, so I went to the. I found online there's a thing called IWasPoisoned.com, <laughs> and you fill out where you got where you feel you had food poisoning. So you can report the you can place. report the food poisoning that way. But is it a hundred percent? You could trace it to that. To well, that it had to be. I think or... I figured I was. That's all. I mean, I had my normal breakfast that I made myself, and it was right. normal you know, eggs and you know egg whites, whatever I had. Yeah. And toast, and then that was my lunch. So that's really all I had. Yeah, and, and it was six hours. hours yeah. right, right. So anyway, I went to this IWasPoisoned.com, and I filled out the thing. <laughs> what even made you think of it? I was mad. <laughs> I was mad. I don't like to get sick, and I feel that, it, that was an avoidable sickness. Mm-hmm. I should not have had it, you know. <laughs> but anyway, um, so it was ever since I filled it out, I get these things every week on these like daily alerts, uh, daily alerts, not weekly, daily alerts. On local establishments where there's people reporting food poisonings. Oh my goodness! So they would say, "Don't go to." Uh... Yeah, and they have, and, and you know, but this one I thought was funny. It's it, there's, it's a recall, and I never heard of this company, President's Choice Beefless Undeniable Burgers. You ever hear of them? President's Choice. Well, I don't want to name the establishment, but you know how certain stores, grocery, or even larger department stores that has a, have a grocery as a part of it, oh. and then they have their own brand. Okay. I, I believe I know where. Well, this is a public service announcement. Okay. It's, it's an official right. recall. It's an official okay. recall. Oh, so, the, all right. the CFIA, what is that, you think, CFIA? Anyway, they announced the recall of President's Choice Beefless Undeniable Burgers by Loblaw Companies. You know why? Because 
It was missing beef? <laughs> well, <laughs> that was the point. They had another ingredient, a potential presence of pieces of wood. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. Maybe somebody dropped their toothpicks. Uh, who knows? But, so they have tra- pieces of wood in the President's Choice beef. And it's supposed undeniable to be a veggie, a veggie well, burger. Still, right? that's, that's still that's vegetable. Just... It's a tree. <laughs> part of a tree <laughs> but you get these splinters in your teeth you know oh boy well that's your public service announcement for today well then You're there was another one but there's another one a recall due to uh, shortbread cookie and chocolate chip cookie recalled due to undeclared milk but the name of the, <laughs> the name of the company is happy colon foods did you ever hear that <laughs> Well, I, these are not jokes. I'm serious. I'm I getting this. I think there's these. a red flag right happy there. Colon, happy colon. Happy <laughs> colon. That would be. Keep your colon I happy. I don't know if I'd want to eat that. These chocolate chip cookies and wow. the shortbread cookies. Boy, am I happy now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's for the oldsters. People who need to have more Help. regularity. Yeah. <laughs> eat raisins. <laughs> happy, happy colon foods. I have to look up that one. It's a brand name uh, recalled shortbread cookies and chocolate chip cookies. Reason recall undeclared milk. Oh, it's out of Oklahoma. Oh. They have happy colons out in Oklahoma. <laughs> I guess apparently. so. Little ser- public service announcement here Thank you for on that. your local Catholic radio very, station. Very I get these every day, these daily reports of IWasPoisoned.com. <laughs> Tell you, to, well, don't go there. Well, you're but now I bet they don't have salad bars anywhere. No, right? and I don't think we're going to see salad bars. Let's I don't the, think of the things we will not see again. We won't see salad bars. Buffets in general. No buffets. No. Um, nobody's shaking hands anymore. They're doing like the elbow. I saw the mm. vice president meet somebody and he elbowed him, mm. bottom elbows. Although I must say, um, some people just, I mean, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't think not to shake hands with somebody. Right. And I'm a real I, hugger. You know, you see somebody you haven't seen in a long time, there's a big hug. And it's so funny because others, they don't really know what to do. Are are you okay with it? Are you not? You start going toward them and say, okay, virtual hug. is a very awkward moment. Now, we'll never see the handshaking in mass anymore. No. That's done. And I no. thank God for that because <laughs> I never, liked, I that. never <laughs> liked that. Well, there still is a sign of peace. I mean, the Father oh, sure. will say, peace be with you, and you will return it. And with your spirit, you can you can look, nod, gesture. But they don't, pray. do they say? But they don't, they don't say, say, let us offer each other a sign of peace. No, no. no, we're not offering each other, but you have your response to them. But the way I always did it anyway was to either hold up my hand and smile yeah. and say, how? How? How do, <laughs> how do you do? Yeah. You could do the Mr. Spock thing with the, you yeah. separate your fingers. Peace and on. Yeah. But I never, I would never shake hands. I just felt, because yeah. I would sit, especially in the winter time, you see people like sneezing and wiping their noses and stuff. And I don't want to shake hands with that person. They might yeah. have a happy colon. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> their nose is running. Yes. You know, it's kind of a mess. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> now, what's going to happen in the in the winter time with the flu season? You know, people are, people are really going to go crazy. I know. Because they'll think that they have the COVID, Ugh. and it's just the flu or a cold or something. People, and I think people are just—I don't know. Well, there's been so much fear, and it's hard to undo that because you're—you're—you know—you can't trust anything, and you don't know what to believe. And but see, this is all I said to Father Tim yesterday. I said. I see so much diabolical activity in all of this because mm-hmm. it, it's division, well, is, it's confusion, oh, yeah. it's fear. 
It's uh, the anxiety, the, anxiety, the yeah, stress, the angst, the, the division, the, the separation. It's not from God. Like today yeah. I was sitting in the car place with my mask on, as I should, and a gentleman was walking toward me, a salesperson or something, and he saw me sitting there, and he had a mask on. And I heard him say hello, and I said hello, and he said hello, and I said hello. You can't because you can't see you see no mouths moving. Oh no! It's like oh man, I wanted to rip the thing off and say I said hello, (laughs) (laughs) and smiling like you know even if you're in the the grocery and you're at the cashier and you have a nice day, the like the smile is part of it. It's a human interaction. And I just see it as a muzzle, as a shield, like that you just have eyes. I read a reflection last night. I was on one of the Catholic sites, and, and a woman wrote, maybe it was Spirit Daily, she wrote a piece saying how the mask, she she kind of felt, she was in prayer, and she felt the Lord saying how, think about all the horrible things we've said in our lives coming out of our mouths Ooh. against other people. And this is a way of reminding us that, like St. James said, the tongue is, you know, the tongue can kill, the tongue is mm-hmm, vicious. Mm-hmm. And that this mask was a way, almost like a little chastisement on, on humanity saying, you know, you've been so cruel to each other in your words toward each, each, each other. Yeah. yeah. That the wow. mask is reminding us of that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And then other people, there was, you know, we were talking, I was talking to my sister yesterday. She was here helping out a little bit. And, um, a lot of people are really looking to these, end time prophecies now oh. you know and this is the end and this is and you got to get away from that stuff you just got to stay away from that jesus said nobody knows the day or the hour so just believe right. the lord and trust right. in that that there's you know we don't know and anybody who claims he or she knows is wrong mm-hmm. they don't know jesus mm-hmm. said nobody they don't know so. well you know i think about and not that i'm a fan or a follower or an attendee but the huge stadiums these big sporting games like they're already saying maybe there's no football in the fall mm-hmm or the, the Yankees and the Mets, they're going to play, but there won't be any people in the stands. Like, will we ever go back? Concert goers, you know, where you'd go and there'd be hundreds and hundreds of people. Outdoor festivals, music festivals. I have to say, and I, you might agree with me, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Right. Right now. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't think twice about it. I would just feel that, okay, let's just move on. Yeah. Um, the, the silly thing is, because they start their exhibition season tomorrow. It's like, you know, three games and then the real season starts next week or something. But the Major League Baseball uh, Major League Baseball is, is giving the, the baseball teams piped-in crowd sounds that they can play over the loudspeaker so the players feel, feel the like, there's a cry, like there's a crowd there. Well, you really can't call it an exhibition. They have to change the name. Well, I mean, it's, they're, they're like spring training games, mm-hmm. so to speak. I yeah, mean, but we're not, they're not exhibiting for any person's eyes. No, no but they're <laughs> practice games. And they're right. not televised. Oh, yeah, they're going to be televised oh, and actually broadcast. Oh, sure, yeah, the whole right. televised. But the thing is, you watch and, you know, you. I've not seen a game yet, but I've seen some of the video of the inter-squad games, and there's it It just isn't the same. No, no. You don't hear the – so now they and the players want to hear the crowds piped in. Oh. So they feel like there are crowds there. Like, well, who am I playing for? Yes. You're playing for the million-dollar salary <laughs> or million that, that you're, you're making. For. <laughs> Forget about the crowds. Earn your dough. Yeah. And just play the game, but it's it's a it's just a the whole thing is just so surreal. Yeah, you know. Yeah. 
It just doesn't make any sense. You know, do we have a minute for it? And I want to pick your brain over yes. something. So um, There's not much left, but go ahead. Okay. <laughs> One of the listeners wrote in, and it was probably during the interview with Bob earlier about being devoted and right. the marriage and all the different stages of, of the wedding. What about those that just now got engaged or are going to be married? Maybe their wedding is this summer. How different it's going to be for those people? And the question was, what would he have advised? You know, but like I, I mentioned earlier, there's this couple getting married, and they are all about what's taking place in church, and they're going to postpone their reception. But even in church, they're going to have to limit how many people come, so right. they probably have to undo some of those invites because they can only have a hundred people there. They will be wearing masks. You know, they it's will? Just, yeah. Well, yeah, for our, at the, least for our church. The bride and the groom have to wear masks? You know, that's a very good question. Oh, I hope not. What funny pictures they'll make for their oh wedding album. Oh, my gosh. Wouldn't that be something? That would, I would make them wear masks. No. But if the, the priest is standing right there. Mm. I don't know. That's a very good question. Ooh. But just... Uh, it's just so different. It is you know? different. You know? But again, you know, prayer. And then you think you just got engaged. Can you have your engagement party? Or do you keep it small? Do you have it outside? And you just have to be so careful and take precautions. And the elderly, the vulnerable probably should not come. Right. right. Just got to pray this whole thing away. That's it. Just pray it away. That's it. All right, let's take a break. And then uh, we're going to come back and be joined by Joel Step- Stepanek and uh, his book, Chasing Humility. Eight Ways to Shape a Christian Heart. So stay where you are, my friends. We'll be right back.
right. Praise him. I'm, 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 I, oh, everything that has breath. That's, That's right. the name of that song. There's the crowds full of applause that we're yeah, not they hearing. They pipe them into the Major League Baseball stadium yeah. so they feel like there are people there watching them. Uh, Joel Stepanek is director of resource development of Life Teen. He's the author or co-author of several Life Teen books, including Getting More Out of Confession, True North, uh, True, uh, uh, The Greatest Job on Earth. He is a ministry team member and keynote speaker for the Steubenville Youth Conferences. And uh, he and his wife, Colleen, live in Gilbert, Arizona with their children. And he has written a book called Chasing Humility, Eight Ways to Shape a Christian Heart. Welcome, Joel Stepanek. Thanks for hey, being It's really good to be here. Thank you. Thank you for coming and, and being with us. Are you actually in Gilbert right now? Because we love that part of the country. I am. It is 110 degrees today. So I don't know how much I like it right now, but <laughs> I'm here <laughs> and it's good. Well, we lived we lived in Ahwatukee for three years when we first got married many many years ago. We go back now for our snowbird vacations in the wintertime. But um, I tell you what, it's about ninety five. Going to be ninety five here tomorrow, but uh, about hundred percent humidity. So yes. I'd rather take your hundred and hundred and whatever over the ninety five we're going to have here. So, um, but anyway, yeah, we can agree on that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> are you are, are you are you a native? You're from, from as most Arizonans are from other places in the. In the country, or are you born and raised there? I am from Wisconsin, oh, okay. so I get the humid summer thing, and uh, I agree. I like the dry heat yeah, a little bit better. I moved here go. about eight years ago. It's good except for these three months. In the yeah, that's yes. right. That's yeah, right. no snow, though. No <laughs> snow. That's right. Uh, well, so the book, Chasing Humility. Now, um, I read in some of my notes here that you were inspired by a um, uh a very special 19th century prayer that I found, I, I didn't, I wasn't even aware of it until a few years ago. And I found that a lot of young people, young adults were reading and praying the litany of humility. It just kind of came out of nowhere that in, in my life anyway, is that how you, how did you find it and how did it come, make, uh, come into your life? Yeah, I was, was a youth minister actually in Wisconsin for several years before I moved to Phoenix. And that first year of ministry was tough. I was 21 years old. I thought I knew everything there was to know about everything, and I realized very quickly I did not and had lots of experiences of humility. And actually, a priest friend of mine had suggested the litany of humility as a daily reflection and meditation and prayer to contextualize some of the things I was experiencing and even to posture my heart to welcome them as a means for spiritual growth. So that was my discovery of the prayer um, and it's been a wonderful journey with that ever since then. Mm. Well, as I said, I was I was very, I had not been aware of it, but I was it was I was being brought to my attention, but but all by young adults, young people who mm-hmm. who had discovered it, maybe through Life Teen or something. But it just seemed um, interesting to me how it came through these younger people, and I wonder why. Yeah, I think there's something really attractive about humility in a world that today is so focused on the self. And for millennials, people my age, and Gen Z, uh, folks younger than me, those uh, we're saturated in it. We're saturated in this sort of self-serving, look-at-me culture through social media, through influencer culture, celebrity culture. And the idea that humility, uh, we innately know that humility unlocks something within us mm-hmm. that is profound. And what some people can't speculate about without digging into it a little bit more. But I guess what we know innately is that humility is foundational to our relationship with God. 
right? It puts us in right relationship with the Lord because we can say God is God and I'm not. Like humility mm-hmm. is the foundation of prayer. And I think we innately know that, which is why we're drawn to it, because there's sort of this step in the humility that allows us to enter into the relationship we were made for with the Lord. So I think for a lot of folks, it's this remedy to what is illing our world right now. And that's what makes humility, especially for younger people, attractive. And then this prayer, which is a tangible reflection on these difficult, uh, different aspects of humility, I think offers something practical there, which people really appreciate as well. And it seems like one of the results of this would draw the younger people to a, a better state of maturity, because I think part of, um, you know, this me world, it's all about me, is, is an immature mindset. And, you know, when they realize there's more to the world than just themselves and it doesn't revolve a, around them, <laughs> that the, it's a, a, a maturity would come on. Yeah, I think so. And it's interesting because as I've been presenting on this and speaking about it, I have found that that mentality manifests itself in different generations across the board. I was giving a talk to a men's session, a group of older gentlemen in their 50s and 60s, and uh, it's not the same like me mentality that a younger person might have. Mm-hmm. But even in that generation, um, after the presentation, I really geared that particular presentation towards work. It was a lot of businessmen um, in that particular men's group. And humility in the workplace, humility in leadership. And one gentleman, after the presentation, raised his hand and said, you know, that's all great, but like that doesn't work in the real world. Humility isn't something that we can do at work. It's not something that gets you ahead. And it was just his point was, I can be somebody different in my walk of discipleship, but at work, I kind of have to be ruthless. Oh. And I think even that exposes this underlying manifestation of pride that can look different generationally. But even that was sort of a me first mentality. If I have to step over other people at my job, I have to put myself first mm-hmm. if for a seeming noble cause to provide for my family. But I've been really struck by how that, when you talk about humility, it sheds a light on pride. And with different groups, how people sometimes push back on humility and the reasons for that. And it cuts across all ages. It's really been fascinating and a little bit heartbreaking, too. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Eight ways to shape a Christian heart, uh, Joel. What are, what are some of the ways that are discussed in this book? So what I love about the Lenny of Humility is that it is a practical prayer. And when you work through it, there's three distinct parts. Um, it's a deliverance prayer. It's, it's, I think that's when we get into this, people don't realize that the prayer is actually a powerful deliverance prayer and as sort of an aspect of spiritual warfare, because we ask deliverance from a disorder desire. When we ask deliverance from something, it leaves a hole, a space that we've made for that thing, even though it's disordered. And empty spaces are where fear creeps in. And when we're afraid of something, it drives us back to the disordered desire So we ask God to give us a rightly ordered desire to fill that place. So one example is from the desire of being loved, deliver me, Jesus, and from the fear of being despised, deliver me, Jesus, and then that others would be loved more than I, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. And I found that you can link up these different petitions in the litany of humility for really practical ways to then live humility. I am a practical guy, and whenever people used to talk about humility— I would get frustrated because I'm like, that's great. How do you live that out? And then people would say something like, well, you know, if you've got to talk about humility, 
you're not really living humility. And I'm like, that, well, that doesn't help. I need, I want to know how to be humble. And here's the eight ways that I found from the litany of humility, we live humbly and our heart, our Christian heart is shaped by being authentic, by being confident, which a lot of people don't recognize as an important part of actual humility, real humility, being grateful for the things I have today, loving others, giving praise to others, empowering others around me, becoming the mentor for others. And that's the area that the gentleman at that men's session had really pushed back on is the idea of mentorship and the role that that has in being able to be humble. And then being able to break out of our own boundaries into areas of discomfort, especially when it comes to sharing the gospel with others. And each of those eight ways is a chapter in the book, Chasing Humility. We're talking with the author, Joel Stepanek. By the way, it's published by Ave Maria Press. That's AveMariaPress.com. Uh, and you go into detail then in each of those eight ways. Uh, and I remember your first one, of course, here being being authentic. One time, um, a good priest I know said that uh, especially younger people can sense authenticity in someone. You know, to be authentic, to be just to, and I, you know, in the work that we do here in Apostolate and the work we do on the radio and, and through all the media that we use, you know, you want to, you, you have to, again, humble yourself to, so you can be authentic. I find myself oftentimes trying to, to remind myself of that. You know, we're in a very visible uh, medium, uh, medium and, and people, you know, hear us and watch us and listen, but you have to really humble yourself to then be authentic, be authentically who you are and who God made you to be. Mm-hmm. So that's a great uh, first chapter. And young people, I guess, is that, I guess in trying, maybe as they used to say in our generation, trying to find themselves, mm-hmm. uh, that might be a, a difficult step sometimes for them. It can be. And I think for any young person, we, we all go through that phase. It's a developmental phase. Um, if you're into developmental psychology of identity formation, a key task of adolescence. So yeah, a lot of young people are saying, well, who am I and who am I really? And the world of social media has really made that difficult because I can curate who I am online for likes and affirmations. And you had hit on it too, even being a public figure it can be very easy to build a persona or an image that we think people will like. But if it's not who I really am, like who I authentically am, I feel a dissonance there. And then there's a further disconnect where how I understand who I authentically am is by standing before the Lord and allowing God, my creator, to tell me who I am. You know, he knows me. So God can say, this is who you are. And if I live that truth and believe it, and know it, and then allow others to see that, I live my life in harmony, and that's authenticity. Mm. But if any of those things gets out of alignment, I feel a dissonance, I become inauthentic, and at its worst, you know, I, I fall actually into grave sin, trying to be something that I'm not. Mm-hmm. And how does all of this, again, we're, we're talking with Joel Stepanek, the book is called Chasing Humility, <clears throat> excuse me, Eight Ways to Shape a Christian Heart, and each of the chapters is one of those ways. Uh, bottom line in all this, Joel, as you say, is is to, is to develop that that wonderful relationship with the Lord and with our faith, uh, and in teaching young people. There's so much challenge out there, I would imagine, for them to divert their attention from humility into pride, into to being, you know, someone who who wants to have the attention, and and it's 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 a tough time, I guess, to develop these these uh, ways. I would imagine for young people. It is, and I think that's why having some practical things for all of us, especially young people, to work on 
when it comes to humility is, is so critical. For a lot of younger folks, I think the challenge is really in affirmation. People want to be affirmed. They want to be accepted. And that's just amplified in the world we live in. When I can get a quick hit of what I think is affirmation online, and I can become addicted to that kind of affirmation. So I think while it's difficult to work on these things, there are some very practical steps that I walk through in the book about how to make their daily routines, weekly routines, even monthly routines to practice each of these aspects of humility, where eventually they just become ingrained in who we are. And humility is no longer something I have to force myself to practice, but just a disposition, sort of the bedrock of other virtues that can I, I then can build upon it. What do you say to people, uh, Joel, who, who say that humility uh, might be a, a sign of weakness? That is something I've confronted quite frequently in the talks that I've given and the different presentations on this, because we misunderstand what humility is. Humility, if you think about people who were really confident or strong, or even that we would say were powerful, truly powerful, um, truly strong, truly confident, they're actually very humble people. They're the kind of person that you sit in a room with and you realize that they have a presence about them that is so confident, and yet they want to know about you. They ask about how you're doing, how, uh, what you're interested in. Um, a humble person is a strong person because they recognize the places they're weak. And think about like strong leaders. A strong leader knows her weaknesses, and so she delegates those weaknesses uh, for others. A humble person is able to find places that they're wrong and that they need forgiveness, so that person is able to live in right relationship with others and ask forgiveness and in turn forgive others. When you think about what humility is, which is not weakness, but is meekness in some cases, um, and is the ability to look at myself honestly it doesn't create weak people. It creates incredibly strong people, and in our church, incredibly strong disciples, not because, because they know where their strength comes from, because humility allows our strength to come from God and the grace that flows through us uh, that God gives. And that, I guess, at its core is the key difference. A weak person relies on themselves. Pride actually is, is weakness. It sounds like a great self-help book, you know, that you could really um, dig into on your own time, reread chapters, uh, maybe sitting in adoration, you know, like really asking God for the grace to open your mind, open your heart, and realize these things about yourself. But would the book also be um, adaptable to like a small group discussion or like a little youth minister retreat what, what would kind of be your target audience? Yeah, it's, I've heard a couple different people uh, who have sent out messages to me on Instagram or via email thanking me for the book as they've used it in their Bible studies. So, mm. And that's folks of all ages. So it's great for groups of young adults um, to be able to get together and have a small group study with it. Uh, if people are in Bible studies groups, I've had, as I said, men's groups, women's groups, uh, use this for sort of a break from their Bible study. There is scripture interwoven in it, but yeah, each chapter is really great to break down in just an eight-week study. Since there's eight concepts there where each week you work through a chapter and discuss it, and then really try to put those those humility practices in place through the week. So it's great yeah. for groups, um, and I always enjoy hearing about people uh, and the way that the Lord's been able to work through 
this particular piece, uh, which is affirming just because God has worked so much even in writing the book through my life. And so to be able to see the fruit of that um, is an absolute gift. Is this your first book, Joel? This is the, um, I've written a couple books before this, a book called True North, which is a book on discernment okay. um, and how we apply St. Ignatius's uh, spiritual exercises to discernment. That's for young adults and for teenagers, people who are asking some big questions about life. Um, and then a couple uh, smaller projects, uh, getting more out of confession um, is uh, one that I had enjoyed writing and working on. Um, I love being able to to share and reflect a little bit. There, it's a, a wonderful opportunity to pray Excellent. anytime you get to write a book, and if the Lord uses it, that's a gift. Oh, great. Joe, can people find you on uh, uh, online? Or, do you have your own website, or how, find out more about you and some of your—do you, do you blog? Yeah, I have a website. Uh, it's my name, joelstoponics.com. Um, there are a couple blogs up there. I uh, am pretty active on Instagram, if anybody has that. I have a Twitter account, but I, I can't stand Twitter, so I never <laughs> use it. So if people are looking to follow me on social media, Twitter's just not the place. Um, but yeah, I'd love to connect with, with folks, but those are places you can learn a little more about me and um, the work that I'm doing. All right, wonderful. Again, Joel Stepanek, that's S-T-E-P-A-N-E-K. JoelStepanek.com, is that, you say, your, was your website address? Yes, sir. Okay. Chasing Humility is the book, Eight Ways to Shape a Christian Heart. That's AveMariaPress.com. Okay. Find out more about it. Joel, thank you so much for being with us today. God bless you for all your good work uh, in the church and uh, for taking time out uh, to share this time with us and our listeners over here on the East Coast. It was a grace. Thank you so much. God bless you. Stay cool out there in Arizona. All righty, well, we'll be right back, friends. Don't go away. More to come on Friday Live. My family left the church because of a, a, a very negative experience with a specific priest, and that took my whole family away from going to church for a long period of time. There were other Catholic churches, and there were great Catholic churches and great priests, but we stopped because of that one specific instance. And in a way, I was, I was cheated out a big part of my journey and my life uh, because we weren't in the church. In life, it seems like we're always enslaved to something. And I think that's, that's basically where our, what our culture is all about right now, is we are, we are enslaved to power or to greed or to wealth or to lust. But there's a true freedom to not be enslaved, but to attach ourselves to God and to be free. My involvement in the church, my relationship with God is who I am. It, it's what gives me my identity. Thank God I'm home. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. What have you done for your marriage today? I gave my wife a hug this morning. I told her I love her. Instead of sitting on the couch, I helped clean up. I cooked my husband's uh, favorite breakfast. I sent my husband a love email. What have I done for my marriage today? It's a good question. I gave her a call and say, thinking of her and the kids. I uh, did her hair this morning. I think it looks pretty good. <laughs> We're going to the museums as a family. What have I done for my marriage today? I made my wife coffee and breakfast this morning. It's going to be her birthday next week, so I've been spending time today making arrangements to make that extra special. Oh, we're spending the day together? I bought her an orchid. <laughs> Hassan was able to let me sleep in by taking him care of him in the morning. I read the newspaper to my wife, and it cracked her up. 
she's but she's still laughing. <laughs> what have you done for your marriage today? Small changes can make a world of difference. Get started at foryourmarriage.org. A message from the Catholic Church. All right. Thanks to Joel Stepanek. That's Joel Stepanek. S T P A N E K. Yes. Dot Great com. book. Great book. So, does good work. You say he sounded very young. Three kids. Really? He, he could sounds, be young. Yes. He could be young. And he had that conference for older men, like in their 50s and 60s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, a minute. let's stretch that to 70s and 80s. <laughs> well, that's older. Yeah, yeah that's right. The it's, old, the old, the oldsters, then. Yeah. 50 and 60 year olds like us. Oh dear, well, it's all a matter of perspective. I remember, my, I remember my days in the corporate world. I remember we didn't have stuff like this, faith based, but it was it was those team building things and all. Mm-hmm. Why do they still do that? I used to, I used to really dislike that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, well, now I I didn't they, play in those games. I don't know what they do. I mean, now during this whole crisis, but our son um, Joseph, he would go to those things and they would put them out. Oh, yeah, you like, know, find your way out of this yeah. place or what? Well, I don't know, some kind of where you had to work with the people and do complete a maze or an obstacle course or some kind of crazy thing. I had to go, remember the time I had to go down to Memphis. I always tell this story yeah, with Joseph. The, they it was were Joseph's made... first day of preschool. Yes. Our first child's first day of preschool. And there was a meeting in Memphis, Tennessee, where the headquarters, corporate headquarters was. And I said, can I fly down in the morning and I'll be there in the afternoon. I want to see my son his first day of school. And they wouldn't let me do it. No, you have to come out the night before. So, and I really resented that, but I did it. Of course, my employer, I was a good, good, good employee. Uh And I flew down the night before and the next morning, my phone rang in my hotel room and it was little Joseph. Mm. Hi, Dada. I said, hey, Joseph. And he said, I said, you already for school? Yeah, I have my backpack. And you put, you had put a little St. Anthony or St. Joseph medal on his Saint lapel. Joseph he told me, medal, yeah. right. He told me, Mommy, put up a St. Joseph medal on my lapel so I won't be afraid. I said, Yeah, that'll be great. Oh, I was tearing my heart out, you know. And then uh, you took him to school. I wasn't there, missed it. And I went down to the meeting. And you know, for the first half of that day, they had a, um, what do you call it? A, it was a scavenger, uh, scavenger hunt. Yeah. Scavenger hunt. Uh-huh. A game, a silly game. And I said, you made me come down here and miss my son's first day of school for this silly... Well, it's team, it's team building. Yeah, see? Yes, Ooh, I was so... Yes. You will never forget Mm-mm, that. Uh, no, because I you missed... You know you can't get it back. No. That's it. And, uh, you a know... A scavenger hunt. A scavenger hunt. hunt. I was so annoyed that they made me miss Joseph's first day of school. I said, you made me miss my son's first day of school. Come down here and play a game, a hey, child game? Corporate doesn't care. No, they didn't care. But God led me in another direction eventually. <laughs> <laughs> now we can blast it out on 5,000 watts of But power. I must say, and I, I must say, you know, they're, I mean, FedEx is a good good, good company because, you know. Oh, well, they're still going they're, strong. <laughs> they're, they're still going strong. They were good. They were good. All right. I got to go. We got to go. I guess time's up. So have a beautiful weekend. Stay cool. Drink a lot of water heading into Monday and Tuesday. Ooh. All that humidity. Ooh. I'll be back on Tuesday, God willing, and uh, next Friday with Cheryl, God willing. And Monday, am I right? Monday, Bruce is here. That's right. 3 o'clock live at 3 o'clock. We're going to throw open the prayer tent, Bruce DeBacco, and come to the throne. So you come here. A lot to pray for. Please call. See you then. God bless you.